I got a question, and it's early in the season, but how big of a hit did USC's offensive line take? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you're going to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. You can show your appreciation. It's free and it's easy. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor. Become a subscriber. Become one of the next 4,000. Help the community keep growing. When you see that thumbs up button, smash it. Like it a lot. And I don't want you to miss one episode Monday through Friday. Hit that bell notification button and you will not miss one single episode. This episode is sponsored by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. All right, deep breath. So is anybody concerned that USC's offensive line, you know, the room, did it take a bigger hit than anyone Maybe anticipated when Gino Quinones was lost for the season. Uh, look, head coach Lincoln Riley, I talked about it on yesterday's episode of Locked on USC. He confirmed it after practice. Lower leg injury. So how big of a loss is Quinones for the Trojans? And and how does USC move forward, you know, with replacing him in the lineup? I, I mean, look, I remember when he was recruited, he wasn't like the most highly regarded and many considered him just a, a, a roster spot filler. And I know there was a lot of Trojan fans out there who, who actually thought, all right, you know what, just a matter of time before, you know, Lincoln runs him off and he's in the transfer portal. Well, <laughs> guess what? All Gino did was work even harder. And uh, he, he eventually turned into a USC caliber starting offensive lineman. This is what Lincoln Riley said. He's been one of our five most consistent players. And that's what led to Quinones drawing the starting assignment. He made himself a really key, valuable member of our offensive line. He had 42 snaps against San Jose State, and that was the most of any offensive guard uh, who played in that game for USC. And look, don't anybody go into a panic mode. I'm not, I don't want anybody else to start, you know, white knuckling it. But look, if we start to peel back the layers a little bit, um, there's, I don't think there's really a whole lot more room for another loss, at least for any of the guys who you want to be able to play at any one of the interior spots, guard center or the other guard spot. Emmanuel Prion and uh, Jarrett Kingston were the assumed starters going into, fall, uh, going into the first game. But Gino, you know, he everyone thought, all right, well, Gino was going to be that swing guy on the inside who can play either guard spot uh, and, if, if necessary, also play center in a pinch. Kind of like Mason Murphy being the swing guy playing left or right tackle. Gino was going to be the dude on the inside. So. Kingston and uh, Eman, they started against Nevada. Gino came in at, at left guard 
in the second series and then again in the fourth series and unfortunately it was the it was that uh fourth drive when he went down with his uh what looks to be a, a acl injury now look it's only been a two game sample size that we're that i'm basing everything on right now but i think there's a reason you know the uh, the competition has continued including rotating you know true freshman alani noah in and out with Gino and the other two transfer portal guys I kept mentioning, you know, Kingston and Crayon. And I'm I'm not here to point fingers at any specific individual, but I am going to say, and the coaches have said it, uh, consistency has been an issue, bottom line. So here's the elephant in the room, and the question is, what happens is if another veteran who plays interior lineman, you know, or doesn't even play interior lineman, what if another veteran goes down for an extended period of time? Where do you want to start moving guys around and play musical chairs? If the interior becomes too depleted, do you move Jonah Monheim back inside and put Mason Murphy back out there at left tackle? You leave Michael Tarquin at right tackle. Look, no one, not even Gino would disagree that losing either Justin Dedick or Jonah, that would be some significant breaking news story. Knock on wood that I am never breaking that significant news story. With that said, there is the argument to be made that um, Gino was the next guy that you didn't, that the team could not afford to lose with that offensive line room. Well, we've crossed that bridge. So what? Now what? If you've been around long enough, you know uh, that was one of Clay Helton's colloquialisms. So what? Now what? It actually made sense. Now what do we do? Well, here's your starting offensive line. My starting offensive line when Stanford comes to town on Saturday. You're going to have Jonah at left tackle, Eman at left guard. Justin is going to be your starting center. Uh, Kingston at right guard, and Tarquin will be at right tackle. Now, I think right now it's, I think the staff would like, because he's he's seen action in the first two games, they would like to see Alani Noah kind of re-seize that moment. Uh, he maybe ha- he might have re- regressed in the last game. It wasn't his best game. Had, and let's be honest, he had, he had some weaker moments in game one as well. But that's to be anticipated from a freshman. So, look, if Andrew, uh, if Andrew uh, Malek or Andrews to work wanted a better opportunity to, let's say, all right, hey, coach, we're here, been around, give us an opportunity, they're not going to find a better one than that, right? <laughs> so, look, you've got a couple of freshmen behind those guys. You've got um, Amos Talalele and Micah Banuelos. But keep this in mind, you have preferred walk-on Killian O'Connor, who's seen, who's already seen action backing up uh, Justin Dedick at center. We haven't seen um, Amos or Micah play any type of extended action so far in these first two games. So I think the pressure really probably falls on, on Malek's shoulders right now. You know, he, it, the, this is his time to be the next Gino Quinones. Um, 
because he can play any of those three interior spots. He, he's done it at left guard. I know he's seen time at center, and I, I know right now he's at right guard. So here's one final note for this segment before we move on to uh, the practice report. Just looking there at the rundown. And then I'm going to get into the yay or nay in the third segment. But to close out this segment on the offensive line, you know, how big of an issue is it? Back in the spring, you had Michael Tarquin. He spent what, at least what we got to see, what the public got to see, most of his time at left tackle. Jared Kingston was at left guard, and uh, Jonah was on the right side. If I understand you're looking for your best combinations, you're kind of doing some experimentation. And let me again stipulate, we don't see everything. But if any of you remember, I kept telling my everyday viewers all summer long, before camp started, that Jonah was going to be your starting left tackle. He ends up being our starting left tackle. And I said that Jared Kingston would be the starting right guard. He was a starting right guard. Michael Tarquin would be back at right tackle. All that came to fruition. So then in these first few games against the, you know, albeit weaker competition, they, uh, that the guard spots were being shuffled in and out a lot. Every other series. So how much of that contributed to the inconsistency at both the guard positions um, that we've seen so far in the first two games? Now, obviously, my hindsight is 2020, but it's, you know, is it coming back to hurt USC that they've done so much shuffling that it's been a little inconsistent these first two games? Look, all of that will become a moot point if uh, if this week's offensive line group plays up to their potential. Uh, and they're doing that against Stanford. So, yeah, it's not the Stanford that we're used to new coaching staff, new culture, yada, yada, yada. But they need to have a strong game in their conference opener because then they're going to get a bye week to, you know, just really work, 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 work. And then they're on the road for their first game uh, in Arizona against Arizona State two weeks later. I don't think Josh Henson is too concerned. This is what I saw at the end of practice on Wednesday. I literally saw him laying on the ground kind of in a lounging position, you know, resting on his shoulder, kind of like this. And he was picking the grass. And he was doing this while he was watching each of the aforementioned players that I've been talking about uh, in this segment. They were snapping the ball in case their number gets called. I've got your Wednesday practice report coming up in the next segment. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the right people for your team faster, and they're going to do it for free. As easy as it is to use LinkedIn to find a job, we've all done it. It's also just as easy to create a free job posting on LinkedIn Jobs. And once you've done that, Go ahead and take the uh, take that job listing, and you can add it to your uh, LinkedIn profile with the purple hashtag hiring frame, and that's going to let people know you're hiring. LinkedIn's going to provide you with simple tools like screening questions, which make it really easy so you can focus in on the candidates with just the right skills 
and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Recruiting the right person for your team means a better product. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash college. That's linkedin.com forward slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right. So the college football season is here. Been talking about it. Locked On is kicking off our coverage. Each and every Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel, including this one here at Locked On USC. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and they're going to go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable Locked On College hosts covering the their team every day. Find Locked On College Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. Now, just a reminder, during the season, uh, the media, we get to attend practice every Tuesday, every Wednesday. So on for Tuesday's practices, you know, my notes and observations report that I write for wrsc.com, uh, it focuses on the defense. And that's when we also get to interview defensive coaches and players. Well, selected coach and players. And then on Wednesdays, we flip the script and we talk with the offense. Wednesday's practice report. Well, while I'm talking about it, I'm going to show you a little bit of video that um, that we shot, that Eric McKinney shot from WeRSC.com. Actually, and this is the video that I shot. If you want to see WeRSC.com's video, head on over there when you're done making Locked On USC your first listen every day. And remember, credential media, we are... We are restricted to only three minutes of video. So that's what you're going to get. Um, those are the rules. We have to play by them. I apologize. But here you go. <clears throat> A little bit of what it looks like at, you know, what we get to see and what we're allowed to video uh, when we're at practice. So while you're watching this, I'm going to tell you what I get to see. Now, on Wednesday, uh, when the team practice they were coming out in shorts and shells as you're you can see with uh, Damani Jackson there and it was a it was a little bit more it was warmer than Tuesday it was more humid than anything but at least it's not going to be uh, 107 degrees at Arizona State when they kick off Saturday night at 7 30 when they're hosting Oklahoma State I'm bringing that up because after USC plays Stanford they get a bye week and then they'll play in Tempe two weeks later and in September, it's still going to be warm. Right now, that kickoff time is still to be determined. Let's hope it's 5 o'clock or later. As I've told you in the past, um, I get to practice early. I'm typically one of the first people from the media to, to arrive. And so I'm not sure if he was the actual first player out. Uh, however, punter Eddie Zaplicki, um, he was Chaplisky, excuse me. 
he was the first player I got to see uh, heading up the McKay Center All-American walkway on his way to practice. Now, USC really hasn't needed to use its punter to flip the field during their in their first two games yet. Although I guess you can go back to the San Jose State game. And I guess there was a couple of series where that would have qualified, especially when Caleb took that sack uh, near the, you know, near the goal line. But during practice, I got to tell you, the ball, it just carries off of his foot so effortlessly. Um, he had one punt during warmups that had Zachariah Branch backpedaling at least 15, 20 yards uh, in order to position himself to make the catch. And look, I'm going to have a different rant on Friday, uh, but this one is in the hopper. Just It's on standby just in case. When Benny Wiley, strength and conditioning coach, showed up, he was wearing some cardinal tights under his black shorts. He was eating some popcorn, wearing some shades. Walking behind him was Solomon Bird. And when he left the locker room, he was wearing gold tights. But I got to keep it 100%. Men should not wear spandex uh, tights, period, end of story. I'm sorry. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. But I get it. It's the end thing right now. Uh, Christian Wolin Wallace, when he was going on on his way to practice, he didn't tap any of the uh, All-American plaques that the players uh, kind of acknowledge on their way, although he did do a couple of uh, double double heart taps. before he pointed at one individual plaque. And then he joined Bear Alexander. They started singing along to Meek Mill's Heavy Heart. So it was like perfect timing. Um, I talked about this in the past, how the players, you know, they they admire those, the All-American wall, the players who came before them, showing their appreciation. You might've saw uh, Damani Jackson in that three minute video um, walking up to practice with Coach Sean Nua. And then you saw Dante Williams sprinting by. Well, you didn't hear it because I had the volume turned down. Dante Williams was singing something way off key. I mean, like high-pitched off key. And uh, when Damani and Nua were in microphone distant, um, where the microphone could catch it, Damani literally said, um, he's just like a little kid. And he was, he was referring to... Uh, his position coach it was a funny moment. And, you know, that's why I get there early. You really kind of get a sense of the players' personalities. Every now and then you'll get a quote. They'll say hello to you, you know, whatever. Speaking of saying hello, uh, Taka Curtis, he's a pretty big dude. And he uh, he said to me, uh, what's up, before he turned and made his way to the practice field. When he said, what's up, I don't think he wanted to fight because he was smiling. But look, I don't know about anyone else. I would pay good money. Literally, I would pay good money to um, to see Taka Curtis imitate Brian Cushing doing his hard knocks. Uh, go check out Brian Cushing, episode two, hard knocks. And he was basically what I would say, um, trying to how to win friends and influence others. During this episode of Hard Knocks, Brian Cushing literally treated 
rookie running back Alfred Blue from LSU like his own personal rag doll. I want to see Tucker Curtis doing this at practice. Not to the extent that Brian Cushing was, but just that that type of Brian Cushing attitude. And anybody who watched Brian play linebacker at USC knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to mess with him. He was on another level of intensity. Tucker Curtis has that. I want to see that Brian Cushing personality. Uh, first offensive line, uh, the first offensive players I saw coming to practice were was Austin Jones and freshman offensive lineman Tobias Raymond. I bring up Austin Jones. He has a unique view of this rivalry. He played at Stanford. Also, USC was hosting the entire, and I, it might have been the entire school, but I think it was just everybody who plays football at Kahuku High School in uh, Oahu, Hawaii. They're uh, playing at Modern Day this weekend. They were being um, chaperoned by Gavin Morris and uh, Annie Hansen. There had to be at least 90 players, 100 players deep, coaches and everything. I mentioned Gino Quinones earlier. He made a cameo appearance. He arrived on his uh, sparkly cardinal-colored motor scooter. USC had they were they had a few uh, scouts from the Detroit Lions, the New York Jets, and the Philadelphia Eagles. They were on hand watching practice. The jugs machine was doing kickoff drill again yesterday. They were the jugs machine was doing some kicking away, angling away from the return team. Same guys. So go check out yesterday's Locked On USC video uh, episode, and you'll know who was out there. But it's always going to be the same guys, just so you're aware of that. This time, uh, Kyle McDonald was showing the guys how to judge kicks that are short and wobbly and how to run under them and receive the kick. And then right at the end of the team's strength and conditioning portion of practice, they were doing a bunch of 30-yard wind sprints. Not really 100%, but they were going pretty hard. And during that time, the uh, coaching uh, GAs, grad assistants, they were trying to throw a football into a uh, trash can from about 30 yards away. There's always some sort of competition going on. And so <clears throat> what else did we see there at practice that I can talk about? Oh, so you saw some of the linebacker drills that were going on. Um, you saw some guys that look good, some guys that, Maybe we're reaching. We're going to have to work on a little bit of technique. The cornerbacks, uh, they were working on some backpedaling drills, and then they were turning around, racing for a deep throw, cover, go get the ball. You saw Sean Nua working with his their guys, uh, doing some defensive line, you know, sh shadow dancing before attacking the tackling dummy. The quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the running backs, I know you didn't get to see any of that because we're not allowed to film it, but they were running their routes. and. It, that was at a much quicker tempo today. A lot of, well, to say they were running a lot quicker tempo today. I can't tell you what I saw as far as specific routes. I did see the coaches uh, using their sticks, long sticks to try and disrupt uh, the rhythm. And then, I, again, on Wednesdays, we get to talk with offensive players and a selected coach after practice. This time, we spoke with wide receivers coach, assistant head coach, Jenna Simmons. 
And we're allowed to ask these, ask him whatever we have on our mind. When Caleb Williams came around, um, he wasn't interested in answering the question that came about regarding the GQ magazine interview with his dad about his NFL possibilities and him maybe staying at USC for another year if he doesn't like uh, who gets the number one overall draft pick. He really didn't want to touch that question. I threw a couple of questions at him that he answered. Uh, the second one, he uh, I think he understood the second one better than my first one. You tell me if I, how I could have phrased it differently, the first question. But the second one, I asked him about his acting career and you know his Wendy's commercials and doing the Heisman House stuff. Uh, Caleb, he actually, he went in depth on this one. He wants to be known as a one-take Drake. Just get it over, make it happen one time. Unfortunately, they make you do things over and over again uh, for different endings, different angles, yada, yada, yada. But he even said, he goes, man, it, 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 it takes a long day. And I don't know if this is something I'd like to do for another career, which is interesting because when you watch him, it looks like it's he's a natural at it. And then Deuce Robinson, he made a play. Uh, he got his first touchdown against Nevada. So Deuce was turned loose with the media, and he he got to talk about his touchdown and the run, plus his plans for baseball this upcoming season. Make sure you uh, check out the uh, the video. It's up there live for you on over there at wearc.com. And then there was there was before Deuce took the microphone, uh, he actually had a funny moment where he was actually, uh, he took on Brendan Rice in a little bit of a smack talk. He challenged, he was challenging Rice's um, alleged 40-inch vertical. So Rice quickly clapped back that, hey, I'm over here working while you're over there eating a popsicle. So again, just some good old-fashioned smack talk between uh, teammates. Good, good stuff. So I'll have a couple more, well, actually... We'll see what happens next week with practice reports. We're going to transition into uh, yay or nay. So if you want to make some bets, head on over to, uh, well, actually, we'll get to yay or nay in the next segment. First, we're going to talk about game time. Trojan fans, stop stressing out trying to get tickets. Download the game time app. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over tickets and just start getting hyped for all the fun you're gonna have this year. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you Trojan bandwagon fans, boom. Just get on, get your tickets, show up to the game. And you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and a whole lot more. The game time um, guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 100% of the difference. It's why they're the fastest growing ticket app in the country. And it's for that reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It's like two taps and you're done. And you don't have to search for them in your email. They send them right to your phone. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. 
Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're gonna play a little bit of a little bit of another version of Yay or Nay. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, I gave you my three-team parlay, and it turned out to be a winner. So, uh, yeah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. All three of those predictions came to fruition. I said that the Trojans would hold Nevada below 21 points defensively. They did that, 66 to 14. I said the Trojan defense would produce two turnovers. Now, technically, they did. They only collected one of them. It was a pick six. But don't forget, Solomon Bird forced a fumble, but the ball bounced right back uh, to one of the Nevada players who recovered it. So I'm taking that as a win. And then I said Caleb Williams would have another four-touchdown performance. Uh, that one was obviously going to be an easy one. But he actually did it in the first half of the game, too. So there you go. Here's my three predictions for this week's yay or nay. You tell me. USC will score 50 more or more points against Stanford. I'm going yay. Here's why. Look, um, making those types of predictions against San Jose State and Nevada, those were gimmies. But making that claim against Stanford, you know, and it's a little bit more risky. Um, I don't know if uh, Lincoln Riley will try and disrespect Troy Taylor, give him one of those what's your deal type of moments. But I do think USC will be able to score 50 on Stanford. They scored 42 last year on the road. Remember, USC went up there, won 42-28. Uh, USC's defense will hold the Cardinal below 24 points. This one, I'm risking this one. I'm going to say nay. Look, Stanford, they're running a new offense, up-tempo. They scored 42 on the road against Hawaii last week. And USC did give up 28 points against San Jose State in their opener. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle between 24 and 28. So I'm predicting 27. In fact, I've got a final game score of USC 59, Stanford 27 which means they're not going to cover the 29-point spread. I don't think that matters. I think the score is going to come late, which is going to make the game look worse than it was. So 59 to 20 with a late-game score kills it. So bad beat. And then here's the third one. And again, here's the other reason why I don't think it's the end of a rivalry and crazy stuff's going to happen. Remember, USC's off to the Big Ten, Stanford, they're heading to the ACC. Final one, the Trojans' defense will hold Stanford below 100 yards rushing for the game. Yay. Call it a hunch. Whatever. I've got, a, I've got some confidence in USC run defense. I think it's going to happen. Um, they're going to get some sacks, a bunch of tackles for loss. That'll help contribute to the cause. So, yeah, uh, 89 yards net for Stanford at the end of the game. There you go. There's my yay or nays. Agree, disagree, you tell me. 
I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. That's what we do five times a week. I'll have some stuff for you. Maybe some recruiting information. Definitely the Friday rant. But until that next episode, everyone, you know what to do, right? <laughs>